You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show. It's a pleasure to be here and talk to you about some amazing subjects that we've chosen for you today. And this is about the youth. Are they getting a fair deal? And in the second hour, we'll be talking about masculinity. I mean, this hate against women isn't something new and we're going to delve into why that is and actually give it from a perspective from an islamic point of view and joining me today as usual is zakriya zakriya welcome to the drive time show um uh, welcome thank you thank you um um uh, Hanif, brother, yeah. uh, it's always good to be able to speak to you again and uh, being able to present with you. Actually, I know. I saw apologies for last week. I wasn't able to. But we had Saad who has stepped oh, in yes. and he's joining us again because he loved it so much, mm. right? So we've recruited Saad to the Tuesday timing. Uh, welcome to the Drive Time Show, Saad. Assalamualaikum, Hanif. How are you? Well, yeah, I've seen you too. I feel great. I mean. <laughs> The weather outside isn't too good, but that doesn't matter. I mean, last time I think I was presenting here on a Friday, we saw a lovely rainbow outside the window. So it just varies on whatever it is. But my mood is good. good. Even today, I was tr- I was planning to cycle over here, but when I saw the weather, I was like, okay, should I take the car? Should I take the public transport? Then I just opted for the car, the simplest way to come away. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I know we're going to get uh, Zakiya into his, onto his cycle as well soon. Yeah, just uh, I'm going to get into cycling because I basically got motivated by you because, you know, uh, I don't know, you, you take 45 minutes, isn't it? 45 minutes uh, so cycling. From, from where I live in, yeah. in Hounslow, it would take... It used to take me an hour and 40 minutes, used to. Okay. That was the, when I first started. Hmm. Now I've shaved off half an hour, so I can usually get here in about an hour and 10. And that's uh, that's pretty good going. Hmm. Um, that's, that's not too bad. If, yeah, uh, it is. If I take the train, which is the quickest for me with the public transport and or a car, it takes me one hour, 15 minutes. By hmm. car, it takes me minimum one hour, one and a half hour. Usually it's two hours. Uh, but then, you know, cycling probably would take me less time. But it's from East London, so I don't, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, you go, go to so you know, from Croydon to, to come over here, yeah. it takes about half an hour to forty-five minutes on the car in, with the traffic. Mm-mm. It takes the same t- um, same amount of time with the bicycle. Yeah. So wow. okay. <laughs> you can just take the car or the bicycle yeah. or save fuel money on it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've sort of digressed because this is a normal kind of conversation as to what we have because we just always look at each other. Because health is really important, isn't it? it? Is. I mean, that's, And obviously the tub- subject that we're talking about today in the first hour is the youth. Are they getting a fair deal? But actually, you know, the normal things, you know the number, don't you? What's the number we call if you want to get in touch? Yeah, if you want to get in touch, of course, you can always call us at 020 Eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight O two O eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You can always, you know, ask questions or get involved. Uh, you can also visit our website, uh, voiceofislamaltogether.co.uk, and uh, you know we are active at all uh, sort of um, uh, platforms, uh, social media platforms, yeah. and you can also tweet us at voiceofislamuk. Yeah. So these are the you know, contacts, uh, and, and, and if you want to get in touch, please feel free yeah. to uh, get in touch with us. That's right. And, and Saad, on Instagram as well, we're asking a question for the second hour, aren't we? Yes. We are asking, 
is toxic masculinity becoming acceptable on social media? Yeah. That's a very hot topic nowadays, isn't it, Hanifzad? <laughs> oh my God, yes it is. But it's been around a long time, but I think these people who have got these misogynic views just should not be allowed in society at all because whenever you look at it from an Islamic point of view, whether people think about Islam, but actually when you look at the teachings of Islam, it pits um, men and women equally in every respect, right? Yep. That's correct. Mm. I mean, it, the reason I think behind going so extreme uh, in, in, in these kind of toxic masculinity, uh, especially when it comes to um, Andrew Tate, is because uh, the society has gone really, really soft in regards to it because, yeah. you know, we don't know what our rights are or how we should, uh, you know, uh, basically make sure how we don't know each other's rights either. So it's yeah. uh, it's something which Islam teaches us and we will be discussing this in, in the second hour in more detail. Uh, but of course, for the first hour, we have uh, the topic of youth. And as you know, youth is one of the most and, and, and the way we live our youth is very um, is basically it, it, it shapes us. It shape shapes our future. So, you know, while on the uh, one hand, the Internet, the modern technologies and modern science have made our lives easier than they were before, um, you could assume that, you know, things have never been better. The statistic about raising, uh, rising mental illness, uh, burnout and suicides are devastating and it's increasing in, instead of decreasing. So the highest suicide rates are seen among teenagers and young adults aged between 10 and 35 years. Can you imagine? So the highest rate is, you know, when, when we are in the youth, when we are still young. Um, and in the second leading cause of death among this age group. I mean, that that's that's a lot. Saad, I mean, you're probably the youngest out of us three here, right? Because yes. obviously, you know my age, it's way over. <laughs> you know, uh, I could just about walk up these steps uh, without catching a breath. But actually, this is very alarming for you as well, being in that kind of cohort, right? That this uh, mental illness, burnout, suicide is the highest in this age group. Yes, that's correct. Um, especially, you know, a success, um, successful nation, it, it depends on its youth, right? Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II stated in the very first congregation of the youth, Amir, of, in India, Hazrat um, said in that, um, and I quote, yep. the success of a nation is dependent on its youth. If the youth of a nation become true custodians of its traditions, then that nation can survive for centuries upon centuries. Mm. However, if the generations of the future are negligent, then a nation can never achieve success and even the progress if if it makes... Uh, so uh, what Hazur is saying here is a nation has to be it depends on the youth right yeah so if we if you're not concentrating on the youth and nowadays and not focusing on them and helping them with the mental 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 health being and all different pressures they have then our futures is dependent and is 
just hanging on a, a, a small thread. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And just to clarify, th- these words were from the second successor yes. of the founder of our community. Yes, that's correct. And the founder of our community was Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, who is the founder of our community, known as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And um, he le- led the the um, re-understanding the vision of Islam through guidance from God Almighty and followed completely 100% without changing an iota of the religion brought by uh, his our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings so, of Allah so. be upon him and the words that Saad that you ran at was his su- second successor yes um, and we currently have our fifth successor don't we as in Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed who is the current uh, um, uh, current head of our worldwide um, organization and may Allah be his helper so um, what you said is, is really important right because if we give up on our youth how then do we safeguard the future generations mm. right okay. yeah exactly I mean uh, uh, the the most important thing uh, is that okay it doesn't matter how much effort we are doing or our elderly are doing to um, uh, in order to or, or, or what they are doing to build the society or build um, and, and it doesn't matter because if you do not train our youth or tr- you know train the youngsters then what will happen is that you know they will be helpless they will be uh, let's say useless in in future so the more effort we put on our youth um, then the the nation can be reformed in future and it will be secured as well and this is one of the things we have to you know uh, be a remind uh, or or it's it's something that we always have to think you know uh, uh, for for the future of of our nation of course yeah so so there are so many challenges that the youth face today um, and then like you said Saad we got to nurture them right that's correct so one of the biggest challenges is social media so, so and especially being a teenager. I mean, the age of social media is one of the hardest things to do. You know, what are the few reasons about that? Uh, then? And if uh, yeah. social media is the biggest culprit, in my opinion, okay. sometimes because so hold on, either yes. it is or isn't. Because sometimes you said it sometimes, is. sometimes, yeah. but if they're not yeah. being nurtured properly right, and yeah. they just give get handed over an iPhone or yeah. a Samsung, mm. and you can just use it and go download Instagram, Twitter, and just being exposed to all the elements mm. without their parents or a guardian or an elder brother or sister someone overlooking them and telling them this is right or this is wrong they can just go and wander off to a different track yeah, yeah. so we have to be really careful when, when we hand over uh, gadgets to them yeah. I mean, one of the things with this is that nowadays everything we do on social media is now documented our whole life is now documented yeah. I mean me growing up you probably would have got um a photograph that you took on a Kodak camera that you sent off, came back, um, and then you were lucky if the, the colours looked all right. That's when I did. So the, And then only recently, I would say, in the latter part of my life, where most of my life is being documented on, on social media. But, but actually, it, it is an issue. How then do you nurture that understanding with our youth then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the biggest challenges is the 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 <laughs> the the amount of information that we are you know uh, putting in the internet and with that 
comes the comments of other people as well. You know, the comments that people do. And you basically, it's it's not just one person giving a comment. Basically, I'm having a conversation with you and you looking at me and, and oh, at Brother Hanif as well. And you can give me a comment, good or bad, right? But on the internet, you have thousands of comments given. For The, the more someone, the f- more famous someone is, the more comments you'll get, right? So being a teenager in this age of social media is one of the hardest things, right? Yeah. And there are you know, a few reasons why it is so hard. When we look at the, uh, under the microscope of the world, and forever, the uh, the social media is documented, right? Mm. And in youth, years where they where they grow from child into adulthood, we all have experimented, and luckily we have left no evidence behind except a few uh, pictures here and there. But nowadays, everything is being documented and mistaken. Um, and and, you, and and the, the things that you've mistakes uh, the the mistakes that you've done right in the past and it follows you yeah. even I- into the adult and and I remember I had a uh, I was looking at uh, I was uh, watching at uh, an interview and uh, there was a lady saying that you know my mother the things that she posted many years ago that still it's still there yeah. right and i feel embarrassed of of the things that she has impo- uh, posted and and it's it's everywhere yeah. we cannot delete it yeah, yeah. right so the, the generations will also feel a bit shy as well of the mm. things that your parents might have done so so with with this change in technology your the teens and even younger than about 5 6 years ago they see technology very differently yes someone like me that will grab a mobile phone or <laughs> or i i still remember the days when you used to type right you would never know that we have <laughs> type machines that would that would have ink cartridges and then the 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 letter will be hit onto a piece of paper and that's how you would do it and if you made a mistake oh my god what would you do there's no backspace yeah it was extremely different unless you had tipex but anyway and that's just giving my age away but actually today sad you know the teens online today they're going to encounter everything you know even if it's offered good or bad and the this thing you mentioned earlier about nurturing the innocence of the child then cut short. Well, so what are the kind of things that we have to safeguard them from? First of all, is the place social media is, is unregulated mm. and is for, for the safety precautions. And addictions rate on social media is really, like, let's say, you know, uh, on Instagram, you have those Insta t- um, stories. Like stories, yeah. Stories. When you scroll through one, you're like, okay, I'll look at another, another one, another one. And after half an hour, you look at it, and it's like, oh, it's been half an hour already. Then I tell her, I'll go another, another five minutes and I'll go to sleep or something. And you scroll again, five minutes, five minutes past, ten minutes past. And when you look at your Instagram um, timeline and it says you've been using today around two and a half hours, then it, it, and you reflect, uh, ponder it. Okay, what happened? What have I done in the past two and a half hours? Mm. Just looking at stories of someone and doing nothing else while I could have gotten good sleep or done some productive work. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. sorry. Especially the exposure to pornography. That's a vital thing which people can see it right now. If you press enter on Google, the first thing it will pop up, you will see pornography. Yeah. Any any other step, you will see them, and it's so readily available on the internet that a young child who is five or six years old, even, they have access to it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, this is where parents need to be educated. Yeah, right? exactly. It's so important that, uh, you know, our, our next guest, uh, Ahmed Sahi, who is serving as the Naib Sadr of MKA, which is the Muslim Kalam Damdiya, uh, in Canada. Um, and I'm sure that he um, has got lots of experience in this, um, dealing with the youth as well. So what I'd like to do is welcome Ahmed Sahi to the Drive Time Show and say Assalamu Alaikum, hey, peace be upon you. Assalamu Alaikum, Rahmatullah. Thank you very much for having me. Jazakallah. Uh, you're most welcome. So, Khuzam al-Amdiya, which um, is a very technical term, especially is easy to understand in our community. Basically, it means the youth of our community, right? That, um, and you are one of those who are dealing with these things nowadays. So, so can you tell us the, the stuff that Zakaria and Saad both mentioned about, you know, the challenges? How, how are you dealing with those? Yeah, sure. Um, so... As you guys are, are well aware and um, have been discussing, uh, there are a lot of challenges facing our youth today. And um, you could argue it's, it's more than, I mean, every generation faces their challenges, but maybe it's more now than ever. And um, we've seen in the last few years the nature and number of those challenges increase. Uh, you, you know, you, you guys mentioned about Internet usage and what that can do to youth. Um, you mentioned about what types of materials are yeah. found these days, pornography especially. Um, so <clears throat> what we found is that, um, and this is really based on the guidance of Hazuri Anwar, that we need to understand what is going on in the minds of our Khudam, in our youth. Yeah. Um, how are they perceiving the world around them, and what ultimately what questions are in their minds. And something that we've focused on is to try to provide platforms for Khudam where they can feel comfortable asking their own questions. And um, something that we did recently, uh, especially during the pandemic we started, it, it was a program, podcast, a call-in QA session, anonymous, oh, yeah. um, called, called Off the Record. And uh, what we found is that there was a lot of interest and a lot of Khudam were calling in. Sometimes we had 350 to 400 Khudam uh, joining one program at a time. Uh, and we, we covered all these topics, you know, even the, the taboo topics such as, you know, we mentioned pornography, um, dating, um, even what's permissible between men and women, and, mm. you know, all of these things that are going on in the minds of youth. So uh, that's just some of the ways that we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to uh, help our Khudam navigate these issues. It must be so difficult in this. I mean, our topic that we're talking about today, you know, are are the youth getting a fair deal? I mean, this is why you're doing that. It it has kind of helped so much in that respect. So I, I just butted in there because I know Saad is ready to ask you some questions as well. Yes, so Emmet Sahih, you have talked about many challenges, but how did your faith help you in your youth? Well, you're still young. But, <laughs> yes. assume, assume, assume but how did answer. it help you when you just when you turned you know fifteen on even yeah. younger self? Uh, how did it help you your faith? Um, I think I think that my faith was everything really. Uh, speaking personally, um, I remember a time where there was sort of a fork in the road, and I, I realized that my friends were qu- they were changing. They were 
becoming quite different than than what I was. You know, I was interested in having a good, fun time, a wholesome time, but they slowly started to gravitate towards other things. And I, I just sort of realized one day that, you know, I'm different from them and they're, I'm not necessarily comfortable with the direction they're going in. And that was the time when I, I remember I had seen Life of Muhammad Sallallahu lying around in the house. And I had <clears throat> never really read much about the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or really about my faith much before that. I was in about grade nine at that time, 14 years old. And <clears throat> that was when I, I decided to read that book. And when I read that book, it really, it, it was a life changer for me. It, it changed everything. And I remember becoming so inspired by the Holy Prophet so and his example, the Sahaba, their, the tales of their, their bravery, their courage, their, their nobility, righteousness. Um, and so from there on, that, that, that attached me towards Jamaat. I, I started going towards Jamaat programs more and more. The Masjid became my, my reprieve. Um, and and really throughout my whole youth, um, I think that that was the bedrock upon which my life was built. And because of that, I was able to go through schooling here. I, I'm born and raised in Canada. I was able to to pass through all those stages because I had a a righteous environment in Jamaat uh, to keep me on the track. So when we talk about you still going on the right path and everything, but what would you have told your younger self today? and what you can have done better at that time, at that stage? Great. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> But uh, I, think, I think one thing is that I would have liked to have known more about my faith a little earlier. And um, also, I think something that's underrated sometimes is how much we're able to study of our religion. Yes. And... Uh, you know, the Holy Quran is, it's an ocean. And even you think back, like, now that I think back, I wish I had learned Arabic or word-for-word meaning and translation of the Holy Quran at a much earlier age. I have been doing it recently in the last few years, um, and it, it really adds so much to your understanding of life, religion. and So if I had had the chance to get on that track earlier, uh, I think that's something that would have been greatly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um one of the guidance that we receive and and which keeps us always motivated mm. is um his holiness's guidance and that's and and and, and that's uh, you know as Ahmadis we believe it's a it's a divine guidance because he is helped by God almighty to guide the whole community so which guidance from his holiness um has stuck with you since your youth and, and 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 improved your life and how can others implement that as well? Um, <clears throat> there are a few things that stick out in my mind, but uh, I remember in uh, 2011, 2011, I had a muluk out to the zur and um, you know I was that was at a time when I was getting more and more into my faith and understanding, exploring it and. <clears throat> I asked the Zuru that, you know, what is the thing that I can do to get closer to Allah and, and increase my spirituality? And the Zuru, you know, he sort of smiled and laughed and he, he just said four things and he said them very quickly. Uh, as if that this, this is always the answer, these few, these few things. The Zuru said, Namaz, 
the root chief of Tikhval and prayers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, prayers outside of uh, Namaz, just and um, I that always stuck out in my mind that Hazur said those things as if the ages will change, the generations will change, but these things don't change. And it's very simple, and Allah has made a simple system. And anybody who wants to get closer to Him, if He does those things, He will see that increase in His spirituality. Mm. Um, another thing that stuck out to me was <clears throat> that Hazur. Uh, said to keep close relation with himself. He told me to do that, and he said to, um, with the institution of Khilafat, to have a very close bond. Mm. And, uh, he, you know, he said to write to him regularly and to visit him. And uh, I, I've been very fortunate that since even living in Canada, I've been able to visit Hazur many times going from here, even on my own. And um, Hazur has, you know, he's even told me on a couple of occasions that he liked he liked that. Hmm. And when when Hazur expressed that in a younger age, that sort of I just became hooked and addicted to that. And uh, those visits, I would say, have made all the difference uh, in my life. Hmm. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned from the four advices that he the, his audience gave was salat I, and and and. Uh, w- and which which i in in my opinion as well that uh, is in, in in order to communicate with god almighty or experience god um it is important for us to to pray the salah or or worship god almighty so in, in your opinion the youngsters nowadays how can they experience god for themselves and where do they start if they feel like they are disconnected from God Almighty? Um, you know, I think it does c- come down to prayers. You know, the promised Messiah, alayhi salam, peace be upon him, he said that the reality is that our God is recognized through the prayers alone. And I, I remember reading that and thinking that how true that is, because when you call out to somebody and you get a response that's when you know that they're there and when you see your prayer accepted we've all um, had our prayers accepted in some way or form and that is the living sign of a living God and we all know that that sensation that feeling you get when your prayer is accepted um, there's nothing quite like that to strike within your heart the confirmation of the existence of, of that Creator. Hmm. And it is, it is a surreal feeling, it is something truly spiritual in nature. And I think that that is the primal way for anybody, whether we're young or even older age, to get connected to God. And, uh, you know, when we were growing up, we always hear this, that uh, in Urdu, you know, that Allah bachon ki sunta hai, that God hears the prayers of, of children. and. Yeah. And, you know, because there's a, there's a certain innocence to them. And uh, I've seen that, that whenever kids are given this advice uh, and they pray at a young age, then, you know, it's, it's God's immutable law. He says in the Holy Quran that, that when they ask about me, say that I am near. And, um, you know, I accept the prayer mm. of the supplicant when he prays to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we believe that as Muslims, we believe in these words of the Holy Quran, and we've lived it, we've experienced it. So I think when we give our children, our youth, this advice sincerely, um, mm-hmm. when we try to be an example for them, 
then they also taste that and, and then they can spark their own relation with Allah as well. You, you ended with a golden uh, advice uh, because in the the connection with God Almighty and, and if we um, tell our youth, tell our children uh, from a very young age that uh, connect with God Almighty, ask them anything you need and God will reply to that. You know, from a very young age, they, you know, they, they will be connected. They will see how God manifests Himself through through accepting the prayers of the youngsters. And and when they grow up, they'll have this experience already. And it will be very easy to tell others as well that you know, look, you know, you might not believe in God Almighty, but I have experienced God since I was very young. And this is a a wonderful advice that you've given. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much, um, uh, Ahmed Sahi, um, uh, for for being with us, for answering our questions. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have you again in our show. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Jazakallah. All the best to all of you. Thank you. I mean, I I really enjoyed that conversation. I mean, there's so much (coughs) profound... Uh, spiritual guidance in there. Uh, one of the things that uh, Ahmed Sahi said <coughs> was that astaghfar durud, but again, they're technical terms, right? Astaghfar is to ask for forgiveness, and durud is something that where we praise consi- consistently our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad and, yes. and prayers. Uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But also, this having this feedback from your creator is what cements all of that, right, Saad? Yes, especially when he, Ahmed Sahih, was told about Salat, Namaz. Yeah. This is your key point which can build a connection with Allah Almighty. Right. And I always have struggled with this, when, in, especially in my youth time, mm. 15, 16, 17. Then I asked Hazur about this once. Okay, oh, beloved Hazur, sometimes I feel like I'm supplicating to Allah just for like a tick box thing, right? Mm. And sometimes I just want to supplicate towards Allah and ask Him for, for forgiveness and half an hour, 45 minutes, just just pray towards Him. And Hazrat said to me, yes, it's always like this. It's like a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, sometimes you go up when you're at your highest stage, try to go even higher. But for any reason, whatever that reason is, we don't know, you have a fall. If you come down again, try again to pick yourself up. Yeah. So if that struggle isn't there, you won't enjoy this. So this is especially the struggle for youth. We should tell them at the, at the early age, this will happen to us. Mm. This will happen and always try and strive to go higher and higher. This reminds me of a, ahead, yeah. of a, um, a an advice that I received once uh, from His Holiness uh, that, you know, when you struggle, right? And he gave an example of a, a ant, right? Uh, that sometimes an ant, you know, it will go vertically on a wall, but then sometimes what happens is they fall. They fall all the way down, and because of their gravity, of course, nothing breaks. Uh, you know, they're, they're very young, they're very small, so they, they try to climb again. And then it doesn't matter how many times they fall, every single time they'll try to climb it, and eventually they climb over the, the wall and they go on the mm. other side. I think it was another. I think he just gave an example of uh, any insect, basically, who tries to say, this is how our sh- life should be, that, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what struggles we go through, we should keep on trying and yeah. we'll see success. I mean, one, one of the things that I wanted to ask both of you two, because you are both 
dedicated you have dedicated your life to the service of humanity service of god and you are known as missionaries and you have dedicated your life you made that conscious decision much earlier on in your life and you are relatively much younger than me and i can look at you your youth is pretty amazing but there are many people out there who would not have made that conscious decision to dedicate their life as you have but they still want to strive towards god you don't have to be someone who has dedicated their life to be a missionary like you to have to still have that close connection with god no you don't you don't have to of course uh, there should be a dedication in in prayers there should be a dedication in prayers when when you have the com- communication with god almighty through prayers right and you have the help of god almighty you could you know dedicate your life or you know you, you know that you are going in the straight path yeah. right and god will help you with all your difficulties but then this communication with god almighty is a very crucial uh point in life uh, and then god will help you when when you truly believe in 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 prayers and the existence of god almighty you see that you you have the love of god and similarly you will start to worship him mm. through through prayers but also you know through helping your neighbors as well yeah. uh, helping helping everyone around you because that's also a part of worshiping yeah. god almighty no, from, from this when zakaria just told me yeah. as remembered a saying of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi said if you've take the first like our hands lent towards Allah Allah will take two arms lent towards mm. you right mm. for taking the first step uh, if you take the one step towards Allah Allah will take two steps towards you mm. if you walk towards him he will run towards you mm. but the main thing is you have to take the first step you have to call out for for his help mm. then he will listen to you okay so coming back I'm going to ask you guys another question coming back to the challenges that youth have you know, are they really getting a fair deal so you were mentioning about um this it being unregulated it becoming an addiction exposure to porn is so easy that it ruins relationships and and there's also many other things like body shaming cyberbullying it, it is tough it is hard for them now my my kind of question to you guys is although it's really difficult and you guys have made a conscious decision but someone who feels that they are really hard done by they're about to say right i can't be dealing with this it's just too much pressure does god reach out to them as well god reaches out to anyone who tries to reach god almighty even so, yeah. even if someone has the intention right to reach out to god right god helps him or her to communicate to 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 help and sometimes what happens is from from inside you want a, a, a someone's help mm. and you know that no human can help you it could only be god almighty yeah. if he really exists yeah. then someone's desire is that you know what i i, I think i should pray or, or, or your desire is that oh god if you exist help me then and there are countless examples of you know non uh, you know muslims or not even non believers they say that if you believe if you really exist 
then show me your existence. And you know, so many people have experienced that yeah. God chose the help, and then suddenly they say, and they have to believe in that, and they say, "Yes, God, <laughs> you have shown me your existence," and 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 they eventually believe in God. Uh, that, that's so, that's so beautiful. So I want to ask you a question. This last question before we play an audio that uh, is from our. Our current caliph of the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed. Uh, but this, there is this one of the challenges in the social media is that it's exposure to unrealistic way of living. Right now, you see all these influencers saying, "I've got the best house, I've got a nice car, and you can do this." If someone desires things like that, does <coughs> God answer? Is is it, is it something that's realistic? Um, the current head of um, our community, yeah. Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed. As he addressed the khudam to the young mm. youth about developing noble character and self-control and he stated further there are many other vices and ills that are spreading Im- immorality in today's society and sadly they are increasing by the day for example the misuse of the internet and social media is becoming increasingly common and this includes inappropriate chatting online Similarly, the internet is being used to watch indecent and immoral films, including pornography. Even the permissible things can cause harm if they are misused. One example of this is where a person stays awake late into the night watching television or surfing the internet and then fails to wake up for the Fajr prayer. So the Fajr prayer is the morning prayer. Even if what they were viewing was not a bad thing in itself, the end result is that they are moving away from righteousness and in this way the permissible act becomes immoral and not in keeping with the status of the true Muslim. Fantastic. Well, well I mean, they're, they're just true spoken words. I mean, we want to now speak to our next guest, uh, Tamara uh, Rodney, but also what we'll, we'll do, we're covering topics at the moment because there's other challenges that people suffer. is the normal pressure in the mental health and obviously we're given some tips as well. So uh, it's really great to be able to speak with Tamara Rodney. I mean, she's a daughter, a wife, a mother of three kids, is also an educator and then she kind of aspires to become a human being to those around her and herself and if she finds her, if you find her on social media obviously she wants you to kind of tag her and her tagline is born in Jamaica raised in Brooklyn matured in South Florida raised her family in West and that kind of sums up where she is a bit like London I guess but obviously I think tomorrow we'll have a different opinion on that well tomorrow welcome to the Drive Time Show and thank you very much for giving up your valuable time Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for having me. I have been listening since the start of the program, so very relevant topic today. Thank you again for having me. Uh, appreciate that. that. That's really good. And I hope you found it inspirational as well. And obviously, speaking with our first guest, Ahmed Sahi, who gave some real, you know, inspiring faith kind of angle to, to this discussion as well. I mean, in, in your experience as a teacher, what then what, what do you think i mean are teenagers getting a fair deal is it easier for them was it harder because we always say back in the old days it was like this for yeah. us but, <laughs> but you always feel it's yeah. been a better time but, but it, do, are they getting a, a a fair deal today um so you know i tend to not like that that the language that creates that dichotomy right that pitting of us against them um i think i have to go back to my training as an educator and think about this concept of adolescence itself 
Um, so I'm in America, so my context is, you know, an American one. And adolescence developed here about 132 years ago, mm. um, between the 1890s and 1920. So you're talking about late 19th century, early 20th century. And the father of adolescence is one G. Stanley Hall. Mm. Um, and basically his greatest achievement as a researcher was basically researching child-centered you know, issues and education. And it is through Stanley Hall or G. Stanley Hall that we see the emergence of adolescence. And one of the things, going back to your questions, is he saw adolescence as naturally a time of storm and stress, mm. right? He considered it a moratorium on um, adulthood. And he saw adolescence as those critical years between the ages of 14 and 25. So thinking about your question again, natural time of storm and stress. So my adolescence was a time of storm and stress. Today's adolescent youth are experiencing, you know, their own version of storm and stress. I think what changes is always the context. So you were talking about um, our time of the typewriter. I remember yeah. my pinkies getting stuck in the keys. <laughs> I remember right. being mad when my typewriter was out of corrective tape and I couldn't backspace. Yeah. And now we have young people who are, you know, I was just talking to a student on Instagram and the student turned on, what is the mode where everything gets deleted, right? Like uh, vanishing mode. Yeah. So in this, you know, in these children or this adolescent reality, they're not hitting the backspace key anymore. They're choosing to have their text messages vanish within 24 hours. So it is still a time of storm and stress. It is still a time of navigating that place between childhood and adulthood. But I argue that what is different is the context. I had a cassette player. You know, children today have Spotify, right? Yeah. So the, the <laughs> challenges are going to feel different contextually, yeah. but adolescence in and of itself is a challenging time yeah i mean tomorrow i love your backdated analogies because just for my two co-presenters <laughs> with me you know a, a, a cassette they have no idea yes, <laughs> if, you, if you've seen the the the, the league of, of their own the, the movie um uh, what's it called uh defenders of the galaxy the first episode yes, yes. he walks around with a yes. cassette player and a headphones that's what yes, tamara yes. is referring to okay because yes, i know yes. you both spoke when you both heard the words of spotify because yes I mean, we're in a different generation 100 percent. so generation. yeah you're right i mean just before both uh Zuclia and sad come in this thing that you mentioned about this momentorium moment where youth have a a time in their life where okay they're just being adolescents do you think that is a fair uh, description of what they're going through i i think it's a simplified description yeah. right um and oftentimes human beings you know we need those simplified descriptions to move forward to more complex definitions or discussions right so um you know Hall's work is often described as a moratorium of adulthood, but he himself felt that young people in his time, um, they were too, they had too much things, you know, too much to do. They were too promiscuous, too, you know, too busy. So mm. it's really, to me, as I think about adolescence here in the American context um, and having, you know, I'm a mother of a 20-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 6-year-old, so I've watched one child. Um, Muslim girl navigate that period of adolescence. It's rife with a lot of things, you know, friendships, 
Um, it's rife with, you know, self-image, body image. It's rife with, where do I belong in this world? It's rife with, you know, you're giving me more responsibility, mom. You want me to be, you know, more responsible, but I, you know, still want to throw a tantrum, you know? So it's this complex time of navigation of self and society and where one fits in that place, you know? Hmm. Uh, Tamara, this is Zakaria here. I mean, um, yeah. you, uh, one of the questions that, uh, you know, we have in mind is that is academia ruining the childhood um, as the expectations <laughs> <laughs> as the expectations to get into top rank universities are growing uh, nowadays kids are doing more and more to create the perfect resume uh, and mm-hmm. how far is that benefiting them <clears throat> so you know language is important to me um, is it ruining is academic I think <laughs> As I think about this, you know, there are lots of pressures for young people today. So academic pressure is one of them, right? Um, you already talked about social pressures yeah. um, by way of social media. So academic pressure is a real pressure for young people today. So it is impacting young people. I don't, I don't know that I'd say it's ruining them, but it's having a great impact on them, especially if um, they come from contexts like mine. I was an immigrant to the United States, as it said in my social media tagline, I came from Jamaica. So there were a lot of um, pressures that I carried generationally wanting to succeed in this American context, right? Then I'm also black. You have the social pressures that, you know, students of color feel in academic spaces. So those pressures exist, right? Um, I think as teachers, as educators and parents, we have to help our children navigate those pressures. So for example, um, you know, lifestyle, leading a middle-class lifestyle, I want my children to be successful academically because I know that academic success, especially for black people, can often move them, right, out of certain conditions economically. Um, And as an individual, period. You know, I might be a white family that has certain academic affluence and I want my children to maintain that. So these are all things the adults in the lives of young people have to consider and reflect upon as we help them navigate those pressures of academic spaces and help them to step back, right? Um, Hmm. Why are you doing this? You know, we have this great thing in education. What's your why? You know, why are you seeking out this particular profession? Is this something that is really, as parents, I know my children, is this something that my child can navigate into adulthood? Um, Is this something that is well suited for them. We have, I watched, let me speak, use my eye voice. I watched during the pandemic as we went through what we called the great resignation. Lots of adults leaving their places of work for various reasons, right? So imagine our adolescent and our youth looking on at this time, watching this society, this world in transition and then trying to make decisions for themselves professionally. That carries with it certain pressures. And I think one suggestion I can offer, which ties into our Islamic um, faith, is we as parents are guard over our children. We as Muslim educators who step into the public space of education, those young people are our trust. So we have to be the ones to help them navigate that space with the wisdom that we have as adults. 
I mean, well, well, well said, totally agree. Just before um, Saad jumps in to ask his question, uh, in our opening um, kind of to this subject, Saad mentioned a quote from the second caliph of our community where he said that nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of their youth. And this is exactly what you're referring to right here yeah. and understanding that concept. Saad, over to you. Thank you, Hanif. Um, hi, Tamara, you know, all these precious... I'm, I'm good. You know, all these pressures we as teenagers face or as youngsters face. So where do you think the, how are we failing the youth right now? And how can we help them as a society to uplift them again, the morals, their, you know, the, the disheartment and everything? I mean, as I was listening to the early part of the program this morning, something that came to mind is despair. You know, the Quran speaks about despair. As I look at adolescence, I think adolescence is a time that one can find oneself in great despair, right? For a variety of reasons, which I've already talked about. You know, so I think about one of the things, you know, I try to do and think about with the young people that I work with every day and in my life is to try to encourage them to battle that feeling of despair, right? This is a moment of your life. You will move past this. Recently, I had the opportunity to return to Brooklyn where I grew up. I took the train from the airport to my old neighborhood and I sat thinking about my younger self, my adolescent self who took those trains every day mm. and this feeling of despair in, in, in that adolescent headspace where I thought, I'm never going to leave Brooklyn. I'm never going to get an opportunity to you know, spread my wings and fly outside of my urban context, right? Yeah. I'm never going to be able to do X. And sitting on that train a couple weeks ago, I said, I wish I could tell my youthful self what the Quran tells us, despair not of the mercy of Allah. Yeah. You know, this idea of forgiveness, mercy, repentance, salvation, like this moment in your adolescence is a moment. You are going to transcend this moment. You know, with, with help and guidance, right help and guidance, you will transcend this moment and look back at it and say, wow, you know, I'm sitting on this train and I thought I would never leave this space. And here I am as an adult, you know, thinking back to how far that time was yeah. and how real that sense of despair felt. So help young people not to despair. Give them that sense that, you know, Allah is merciful. There is salvation. There's forgiveness. There's repentance. And you will transcend this time. Fantastic, Tamara. I really appreciate your words of wisdom and your kind of advice that you've given. It's been a great conversation and hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have as well. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. It has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed the uh, listening thus far. So you and I will get back to our old cassettes then. <laughs> Still got some lying around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think this generation knows. Back in the day, we, I used to put tape on my cassette to be able to re-record over yeah, it. That's right. Um, and save music. <laughs> Little did I know there would be, you know, YouTube music, Spotify, <laughs> all the plethora of online platforms with these songs for ages so I know. Like a lot. Yeah. exactly right. I, I only jest because it was hard times then like it's so easy now <laughs> yes. for Spotify right yes. So. <laughs> yeah see do not despair young people there you do you will look back and think about the ease that you found in adulthood there you go well thank you very much uh, tomorrow I really appreciate All it right. All right. thank you well, peace be upon you so guys that was uh, tomorrow you know uh, She's a daughter, wife, mother of three, an educator, got so much experience. But, you know, she mentioned stuff about 
mental health. You know, she mentioned about the education side of things. Mm. Saad, mental health is a is a real big issue, right? Yes, yes it's um, a very big issue which you can't spot when you look at someone. We have teenagers which are 15 or 16 year old kids, and in the past 30 years, it has been doubled in mental issues, in mental de- um, depression. So, so in one to 30, it has become to two to 30 now. So two people have mental illness or any kind of mental issue. And same for girls, it, it has doubled also from going from one to 10 to two to 10. And this was um, a research done by Nutfield Foundation, a group that strives to improve social well-being yep. by contributing to research, and especially anxiety, depression, eating disorder, self-harm is on the rise. These mm. are all things which you can't see from a naked eye. It's This is all happening internal. So to help them with mental illness, we have to talk, talk to them. We, we need to help them, uplift them especially. Mm. Mm. So as Tamara said, if they feel disheartened, you know, we should speak to them, talk to them, just uplift them, ask them how the day is. Just by asking how the day is, they feel, oh, there's someone yeah. who's looking out for me. I mean, wh- one of the... Um, I know, uh, Zakaria, uh, you've got loads of tips uh, to help. Wh- just based on what you said, Saad, as well, I mean, our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to even say to the people uh, that who didn't have anything were the beggars on the street, they said, well, what can we give, you know, t- to uh, win the pleasure of Allah? He said, well, your smile. Just mm. smile. I mean, smile is... And we've just lost our beloved Queen Elizabeth II and uh, the the country is mourning at the moment. But one thing they all mentioned about is her smile. Yep. Um, so smile is so powerful, right? Uh, so Zach, what other tips have you got then? Yeah, well, the, the few tips that the parents could follow uh, to uplift their children's yep. um, and, uh, and, and their success as well. And one of the tips is that don't tell your kids what to do all the time uh. <laughs> they'll get annoyed <laughs> and uh, instead give them the opportunity to uh, come up with their own ideas so if you tell them every single time what to do and what not to do you know they will not be they will not think out of the box so let them decide themselves and then give your uh, opinion and 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 let them do their thing another thing is let them solve their own problems um help as little as needed to foster independence and uh, the problem solving skills so let them solve the problems and 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 when they get stuck and they they don't know what to do at all then go and help them but you know let them you know solve their problems if you're always spoon feeding them of course (laughs) you know they will be always dependent on you and uh, the last guidance or or tip uh, from my side is that the uh, the, the purpose of assen- uh, assessment should be to help kids see what they don't understand so they can yeah. improve. So do not you know, punish them for what they do not know. Yeah, I mean, we always know better, don't we, as parents, but still you've got to let them have a fall for them to realise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, Saad, we've received some guidance, haven't we, from the head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Masood Ahmad, who, who is the current head of our community. Yes. Um, Hazur has stated in one of the annual conventions of the AMIA, of Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association, and and this was a message delivered in Qadian 
uh, India, sorry. So Hazrat said to them, read, recite the Holy Quran on a regular basis. Mm. You mm. have five daily prayers, which a Muslim should do, the least thing. These are two things, especially reading the Holy Quran, um, praying towards Allah, to which, which will help you um, connect with them and which will help you uplift your day also. And Hazrat stated, pray in a congregation. So you have people with you who are praying with you. Then when you see around you, you have someone to look afterwards and say salam to them, say hi to them and talk to them. And also compete with each other in piety and righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in the company of good people and good friends. Safeguard your piety and modesty. These are the few tips Hazur gave in a special message to the M MKA India. Yeah, and when you refer to MKA India, this is Muslim the Muslim yes. This is to the youth. That's so where we spoke about earlier that it's so important to keep educating, keep giving more advice, and and saving our youth because one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I mentioned it again uh, just after tomorrow's um, interview as well. You know, it, it was nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of their youth. This is every which way you look at this, and every yeah. which way you kind of look at it from different lenses you cannot uh, take away how powerful this message is that everything we do from now on we have to look after our youth it's mm. so important investment from every angle every aspect I mean kids need resilience they need compassion they need humility and they need a moral compass and not only just having an academic achievement at all costs because that's the key thing people like you mentioned earlier Zachary, didn't you about education is that all i need to do to mm. be able to be uh, uh, be recognized as, as a successful person well anyway that kind of ends the program i hope we've done sufficient and obviously if it interests you by all means you know you can listen to this again and again on soundcloud and tune in all the time there was so much more content that we wanted to get through uh, but obviously time always catches up with us on this but here is the five o'clock news and then we'll be back to you with our second topic You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show and thank you for staying with us. Like many of you do, you've just probably gone and grabbed your cup of tea and coffee in the break because it's you're so, so tuned into everything we want to talk about and we thank you for that. Uh, you know, just talking to the guys in in the break how what an inspiring uh show we had in the first hour i learned loads uh side what what about you of course yeah and i've learned quite a lot for myself being still in my youth years <laughs> <laughs> i've learned a good amount of trades for today and hopefully i can apply them to my youngest and tell them about this Excellent. Uh, that's exactly what we want to do. And um, in the in this hour, we are talking about masculinity. I mean, it is a topic that everyone talks about. You can shape it up however you want to shape it. Is it about men being uh, full of muscle, rip pack, or is it them 
pretending to be much stronger and they want to just show off how strong they are uh, mentally or whatever but that does that make you a, a strong individual uh, how are you being seen by others because there is this hate against women that is not something that's new it's always been around and we see it time and time again and it's surfaced again and it recently surfaced with this person by the name of Andrew Tate and he, he was a like a former kickboxer and he recently gained a lot of attraction on social media because of his very high controversial and you know misogynistic views and and that's easy to do you can you can be nasty you can create uh something that uh, gets people's attention and people follow it but what really worries me in this situation is that there are kids that actually look up to this uh, this ideology which is something that we want to talk about today and especially when it comes from a point of view on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook and YouTube and, and TikTok uh, in case all right, they did the right thing and he was uh, banned from their platform. So what we want to talk about today uh, Saad and our listeners is, is about how can we focus on toxic masculinity and what characteristics a true man should possess, right? Um, Saad, you mentioned about your youth just then, didn't you? Said, yes. But actually, still as an individual, you're an extremely mature individual and you've already formed a lot of your opinions already. I just want to, you know, talk to you a a little bit about that as well because our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was one of uh, the best of all people throughout his life he set many many examples uh, to show how you should treat women and we will give many of those um, explanations and we have received a couple of comments that have come through on the question that we have been asking on our social media question on Instagram and so it's okay you know when we ask the question is toxic masculinity becoming acceptable on social media we received some comments yes um you have Salma Mini who said it's, yes it's it's been becoming a trend for mm. some which is when when I even scroll through Instagram sometimes or yeah. Twitter the first thing which pops up is Andrew Tate and his voice or how he speaks that catches youngsters especially mm. and then when they listen to him and they think oh he might be telling the truth or he's, he's guiding towards the right path but sometimes whatever he says they're a bit controversial against women or even against men sometimes yeah I mean I, I would put these kind of views and this ideology that he seems to profess and think it's acceptable it's similar to what we're seeing in places like Afghanistan where they don't even let women get an education, how they make their life um, completely um, unbearable, where they put so many restrictions on, on what they're doing because, you know, we have a, a right to education. Yeah. We we have all these things. So his, his mindset is kind of in that respect where it's it's not right. It doesn't fit with, with what we teach in Islam. He has a close of barrier for himself he has yeah. formed his own opinions and that's how he thinks that men should be and that's how he should act and that's the way he's acting also so so you mentioned didn't you about the way he speaks and and, and the way he uh, attracts his way i mean as, as we know in in today's social media it, it kind of plays a huge life in people's roles doesn't it and, and we've seen people become stars overnight and 
in one particular platform, it was TikTok, wasn't it, where he gained quite a lot of influence? Yes, on TikTok, he has gained about 11.6 billion views. So that's more than the population of the world. <laughs> I mean, how, how, I mean how, how does his views um, become so apparent and accepted or people are just want to know what he's saying because they're astonished by them and just think can someone really have those type of views in in today's um age when we had all of these um big movements like me too that came out yes and yeah go ahead too. well he argues that a woman is a man's property God, yeah they shouldn't be able to drive shouldn't be able to leave their homes unless they're in a relationship so so if that means if they're in a relationship they're allowed to go outside the house or if they're not in a relationship they should stay inside the house there's a bit of confusion there for him he claims that he only dates 18 and 19 year olds as they can be easily influenced and imprinted in another now deleted YouTube video he claimed that he moved to Romania because there are about a 40% less chance of the police in the Eastern Europe to pursue any rape allegations. Yeah. I mean, certainly, I mean, this, th what, what Saad is saying uh, about this person, um, it kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Why yeah. would someone like that be looked on upon as a role model and someone that uh, so many young men readily follow? I, I, I mean, obviously, is it my age? Or you guys are much younger than me. Why would that happen? I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of men uh, because they agree with um, what he says because the society and you know one of the I've watched his videos I'm not and, and of course he says a lot of things about Islam which doesn't make sense at all yeah and and uh, and and the thing is that nowadays problem that the problem is that uh, you know because a woman um, and and men and women they are they don't know what the rights are of each other right so what happens is because of so much openness there is no um such commitment in relationships and he goes extreme very very extreme and sometimes he says that islam is in support of that which is of course not true uh, and and we will be discussing in this show why you know islam is against his views of course um and and the the, the target um of his audience who mainly are young males and, and mainly in the teens and the early 20s um it, it's like their big brother and many uh, young boys are feeling lost because you know something you know they don't have the motivation and they think that this is the person who is motivating us to be more masculine or more um uh, uh, success, uh, you know, uh, be more confident, and and they also think that this is the way we should be acting. But you know, <laughs> when we start acting like Andrew Tay, then you know, uh, we can we can say that we will be hurting a lot of women, of course. So, and 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 this is where the likes of Andrew Tate come, and, and yeah. they promise men the answers they've been looking for, and often provide it with a easy. To consume way, <laughs> so because <laughs> that's the thing you were saying earlier, weren't you? Sorry, yes. The way he speaks, the way he's able to articulate himself, seems to be targeting a specific type of audience. That's I just remember when I was going through my feed. Yeah. Him just popping up, Andrew Tate is popping up on my feed, and he's driving an orange Bugatti. 
<laughs> and uh, people say are uh, saying oh why do you have this car and he says well do you have a bugatti mm. and youngsters like wow this is the guy we need to follow because he's rich he's famous he is succeeding every single way mm. and his well he's well built also because he was a fighter at one point i think uh, the question to him was like i don't like your color yeah Sorry. something like that <laughs> and then he says uh, what what's uh, what color what is color your bugatti uh, yeah something right. like that I mean <laughs> well yeah I mean uh the reason there are many reasons why he got cancelled and one of it was uh hate speech against women and that's something that and and he always used to quote uh Islam with it yeah. but Islam had nothing to do with his his views of course um I believe that professor Terry A Cooper um yeah that's right he uh, is in hold is waiting to speak to us um Professor uh, Terry is an institute professor uh, emeritus at the Wright Institute and distinguished life follow- fellow of the American uh, Psychiatric Association also an author and co-editor of Prison Masculinities uh with this short intro i would like to welcome professor terry to our show assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and um uh, and welcome to our show Professor, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um uh Professor, um how would you define toxic masculinity? Uh, you know, we we were discussing in this our show from 5 to 6 the toxic masculinity and and the uh, the example that we've given in our show is um Andrew Tate. who is very very famous nowadays and you know billions of people are actually watching his videos so what is toxic masculinity well it's a complicated term to define first of all i want to clarify that all all masculinity is not toxic and there is no intention on the a part of people who use that term to imply that masculinity itself is toxic. There are various uh, capabilities, attributes, proclivities that appear in gendered form uh, that include things like bullying, also like uh, loyalty to the team, like being a good father, uh, being masculine in all the ways we use that term. certain of these proclivities have a toxic effect and the toxic effect has to do with domination that is the uh, tendency to exert power over others to dominate and oppress others and those are the collection of attributes or traits that we call toxic masculinity hmm. so do you have a, do you have any questions yes um terry uh, professor sorry um you know you said a masculine or masculinity isn't all toxic so how what does it mean to be a man and how who do you define as a good man you you said who is a father and all different types of relationships um, in, a man has um can you define more elaborate on it please for us 
Well, that's a very good question. I think the uh, the way we define gendered uh, phenomena, both masculine and feminine, is historically and socially bound. That is, yes. it changes with time. So what happens is that all men and all women have a lot of different potentialities. Yes. For instance, mm-hmm. we can be we can be friendly and loving towards uh, other people. We can be vengeful and violent. It tends to be in our modern, at this historical period, in a certain culture, which is European or American, more oriented to middle class, we think of certain terms, of certain um, attributes as more connected with masculine than with feminine. So for instance, we say that men keep their cards close to their chest. They're not as open as women are in expressing inner life and feelings. So that's a masculine characteristic. On average, there's nothing absolute about it. That changes with time, and we've just witnessed in the United States a period where toxic masculinity has become <clears throat> not exactly hegemonic, but pretty close there too, mm-hmm. because we, we had a president, President Trump, who was basically a misogynist, a racist, and a bully. And his followers, what are called MAGA, Make America Great Again, or the, the base for the Trump popularity, tended to, to ascribe to those characteristics. So you had senators in the United States saying that the problem with the Democrats is that they're not masculine enough, they're weak. And what happened is that the various attributes that I connect with toxic masculinity yes. became more more hegemonic in the discussion because we had a president who represented and fostered those toxic tendencies. That's cool. Professor, do you know all this te- toxic masculinity, what are those mental health issues which are raising with it? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, if you look at the prevalence of depression among men and women, it appears that women have much more frequent bouts of depression than men do. But actually, that's a distortion, because the truth is that men are just as depressed as women, but they don't talk about it, and therefore they're less inclined to visit a therapist Therefore, our research about the prevalence of depression tends to show that women are more depressed, which is wrong. So the, um, the problem for men is that a lot of male tendencies are counter to seeking mental health treatment and talking about feelings. And there is the problem. So what we find is that men report that they're depressed, anxious, or have other psychological problems less, uh, uh, not as quickly as women do, and therefore they don't get the treatment they need, and therefore their psychological problems, on average, fester more. Now that's not absolutely true, all men don't do that, but it's a, it's a tendency, and that is that the mental health treatment is obstructed by these attributes of masculinity. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a question for you. You know, when we talk about this, uh, I would say it's a bit of a shaded line now, men and women. But I think people get confused with roles and responsibilities, right? 
that many men grow up thinking, right, I don't wash the dishes, I don't cook, I ain't going to clean the house. But actually, when you do see um, the modern man, you would see them carrying the baby child on their back. You would see them pushing the pram. You would be seeing in adverts now that you watch, you watch now. If you watched adverts 10 years ago and you're doing the mop the floor, it would always be a lady mopping the floor. Now you get a, a, a man washing the, the kitchen floor. There is that side of aspect. But the toxicity that you're talking about is a very different uh, toxic and and these traits that are inherent to toxic masculinity do you think they will change over the time like these adverts and uh, have changed in personally speaking i think in a good way because even in the islamic traditions and even of our beloved holy prophet muhammad may peace and blessings upon him we know and we learned that back then he used to do all the things that Basically, we thought that men wouldn't do, in a way, fix your own clothes, <laughs> do the cooking. But there is a difference here, isn't there? Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. I would say, and I'm very happy about the development you're describing, I would say it's a result of second-wave feminism or women's movement. That is, the women's movement of the 60s very much had to do with equality between the genders. So that women accused men, why is it that you work and I work and we come home and I have to do all the housework and take care of the children? And thoughtful men, and this is a tendency among men, a lot of us are very thoughtful, said to the women, well, you're absolutely right. Teach me how to cook and I will spend half the time with our children. And then we, and I was one of those men, and I, I think you probably are too, but we then raised our children in that way so that the boys and the girls learned that they're more equal and the housework and child rearing should be shared. So that's an aspect of masculinity. It changes with history, and I agree with you. I think there's many more men today who are good fathers, responsible partners, and they're not um, tending towards misogyny. Now, at the same time, there are a lot of misogynists, and a lot of them are in positions of power. So we get all these exposés of men in power harassing and abusing women or gays. So there's both. And that's what I mean that toxic masculinity is not, masculinity is not toxic, but there is the potential for toxicity. And at any given time, one or another form of masculinity becomes more dominant, what we call hegemonic, and that becomes representative of men. A deep tendency in our gender uh, relations is that men are vulnerable in a certain way, and that is that you can be not a man. So while women are abused, they're raped, there's all kinds of awful things that happen in patriarchy, women don't have a major sense, I'm not a woman. But men are vulnerable to feeling, I'm not actually a man. So people will challenge them. I've pointed this out in prison. In prison, in the dominance hierarchy that exists, the tougher men will diminish the weaker men and say something about them being more feminine. They'll say they're weak or they'll say they're a fag, I or mean, all they'll these say they're kind a of, Yeah, all these kind of views are things that, you know, 
we've all kind of uh, grown up with. We've un- we kind of understand them, but we kind of respond to them differently. Well, uh, Professor, we've got to move on. So I'd like to just say thank you very much for your time today. And it's been really interesting. I mean, you've really set a good, solid base for our discussion in the next hour or so, well, in the next 35 minutes. And it's great to be able to talk to you. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Very good to be with you. Yeah. Thank you. Th- thank Bye. you. Bye for now. Uh, so Professor um, spoke on many interesting subjects there, didn't he? Um, and you can see through his um, his professorship and what he studies from the Wright Institute and he's a, definitely a distinguished fellowship of the American Psychiatric Association. And also he's an author and co-editor of the Prison Masculinities, which he was kind of leading on to, uh, mm. which people can read, no problem, um, and look at his research. But actually... There is this thing, isn't there, where we talk about this masculinity um, aspect of it, and we discussed it in a lot of detail with Professor, that when we look at the life of our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Saad, you can probably give some more examples, but we saw how he was with the relationships he had with yes. his family members, right? So, in one narration, has Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, narrated that the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, The most complete of the believers in faith is the one with best character, and the best of you are those who are best to their women. Hmm. So if you're respecting our women and giving them their rights, you're a righteous person, you're a believer, and you are a faithful person. Especially one narration has uh, uh, stated, yeah, there was a Persian neighbor who cooked something for the Holy Prophet and he asked, Oh Prophet, can you join me for the supper? Yeah. He declined. And then again he asked him, Oh Prophet, can you join me with the supper? I'm just shooting around. It was a long narration. Yeah. And then he understood something. And he said, Oh Prophet of Allah, would you like to join me with your wife for the supper? And the Holy Prophet said, Yes, of course, I will come for the supper with my wife yeah. so he always looked after the women um, especially his wife um, so this is what we should understand a man should be he should be looking out for the women he should be respecting them yeah. and even when he's going out for a dinner with um, to someone take her along with you yeah. also and vice versa as well yes. right because you can be going to your cousins your friends you know, where you know, you should be accompanying. Uh, you should be going together, even if it's your wife's friends or your friends. It's, this isn't just because it's my friend. I have the right on who we go and visit. That's correct. I mean, there is a relationship with your wife. She has friends, so you should also go and visit. And obviously, people in our community mix. Uh, secondly, there's lots of um, instructions in in the Holy Quran as well uh, with this uh, treatment of women in Islam. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Holy Quran is, of course, a book of guidance that gives uh, guidance to not just men but uh women as well and equally you know this is a guidance for the whole mankind right yeah. and uh in uh, and and it specifically you know teaches us how to treat uh the woman and how men should treat women uh, for example in chapter 33 verse number 36 of the holy quran god almighty says surely men who submit themselves to god and women who submit themselves to him, and believing men and believing women, and obedient men and obedient women, 
and truthful men and truthful women, and men steadfast in the faith and steadfast women, and men who are humble and women who are humble, and men who give alms and women who give alms, and men who fast and women who fast, and men who guard their chastity, and women who guard their chastity, and men who remember Allah much, and women who remember Him. Allah has prepared for all of them forgiveness and great reward. Now, you know, this verse clearly, you know, explains us, and it's an evident that men and women, they haven't given the same rights. There is no... Uh, men do not don't think that men has more rights over over women. A woman have more rights over men. They're equal mm. in, in when it comes to spirituality. When it comes to uh, you know uh, become uh, pious, they're exactly equal, and the rewards are exactly the same for be- both men and women. And uh, in the Holy Quran has more examples of course we have example of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of yeah. Allah be upon him throughout his whole life we see that you know uh, the 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 treatment that he did with uh, with women and with his wives no one ever complained that the Holy Prophet you know ever treated uh, them as uh, lesser or or unequal uh, for example, in the Holy uh, the Holy Prophet says that the most perfect of the believers in the matter of faith is those who uh, behave whose behavior is best, and the best of you are those who behave best towards their wives. I think Saad, you've mentioned this earlier as well, right? Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the best among you is the one who is not masculine or uh, is the best fighter or or who everyone is scared of or the most successful person but the person who is basically um uh, who is who behaves the best towards yeah. their wives yeah yeah very very interesting stuff uh and also side our promised messiah peace and blessings of allah be upon him he's also taught us how to treat women as well yes the promised messiah peace be upon him has said the Holy Quran enjoins that if a man has given his wife a mountain of gold as a gesture of his affection and kindness he is not supposed to take it back in case of divorce mm. this shows the respect and honor Islam gives gives to a woman in fact men are certain uh, men are in certain respects like their servants I mean, just dwell on 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 that yes. as well, because w- where you said, in fact, men are certain in in certain respects are servants to their wives. C- can you just dwell on that? Is it because of a responsibility? Well, uh, the teaching of Islam shows the utmost amount of respect and dignity that is given to a woman in Islam. In one way, the men are taught to be like the servants of women, meaning they should. What when, for example, when you're married to to your wife, she asks you anything. It's your job to provide it for her, yeah. and if you give it to her something as a gift, you cannot take it back yeah. afterwards. It, that's her property now, unless or until she gives it back. So I just remembered a uh, there was a um, a um, some, what's it called? Something happened. A companion came to the uh, Promised Messiah, Alaihissalam, yeah. and he. 
ask he had two wives by the way it's like I haven't given them the hakmer hakmer means the arms money so, so when approached the, pro- yes. the holy prophet Muhammad yes. peace and blessing upon him who had two wives yes um, the promised messiah oh, the promised promise messiah, messiah yes yeah. and uh, he's like I'm very happy that every life is going fine but, like, but did they ask for it he's like no they haven't asked for anything so like, just give it in their hands first and then see if they give it back to you because they forgave their arms money right Yeah. They're like okay, it's fine if you can't afford it, or we we forgive you. But if you can't, just give it to them first, and then if they f- um, give it back to you, then it's fine. Then so he gave it to them, yeah. right? <laughs> and this, uh, and when he thought, okay, you guys forgave before, so can I have the money back now? Yeah. It's like no, before we thought you can't afford it. No, you were able to afford it, right? And it's like okay, now <laughs> that this is ours now, this is our property. No, we won't give it back to you. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, a very, very charming um, anecdote there, and it kind of does explain. Uh, also, it's okay that the promised Messiah also treated his hmm. wife with with a lot of respect and kindness. Yeah, exactly. The promised Messiah treated his wife. You know, he was a. Uh, 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 we know f- through his books as well and his yeah. life as well that he loved the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him more than his own life, and he tried to. Uh, live the same life as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon mm-hmm. him. And you know, he's uh, of course uh, the Promised Messiah. Uh, you know, he lived exactly or tried his best to live the life of the Holy Prophet. And um, you know, the the female servants of the house would often remark uh, the Promised Messiah that he caused the wishes of his wife. Uh, which was a practice not commonly observed in other households, and especially at the time of the Promised Messiah, of course. Um, the Promised Messiah, peace and blessings of Allah, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has himself commented that it appears to me to be the highly disgraceful that we, being men, should quarrel with women. We should treat women with kindness and gentleness. Yeah. Yep. So Zakaria has remembered a saying of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. With this, remember this hadith um, where it says, Resp- um, "You should love the people as you would li- like them to love you or respect you yeah. or your brothers." So that's the scheme. Suddenly, in my mind is like, yeah. "Okay, we should treat them as we want to treat um, being treated." So we should always respect them because a man always wants to have respect. Also, so respect, respect your woman, res- um, treat them well. So they would treat you back. It's it's it's, it's a vice versa game, right? Yeah. Give and take, sir. Give and take game. So yeah. if you give something, they'll give it to you also. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, one of uh, a, a sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah upon him. Of course, men and women they create. You know, they've been made differently, of course. And uh, he believed. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? So the Holy Prophet said, the way you should treat uh, your woman, uh, your partner is. Uh, they're 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 like the ribs of a human being, right? You cannot straighten them. You can't be too strict, or you can't you you cannot think that they think the same way as you do. So be gentle, because if you try to you know straighten a rib, for example, because that's crooked, isn't it? If you wanna if if you want to make it straight, it will break. So be gentle to them. Be kind to them, okay, and 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 let them do their thing, right? And eventually, the, the example that you've just given, right, that you know, if you give something to them, if you give them love, they will give love back, 
And this is how it works with everyone, actually. And I believe that if you are kind to your to your spouses, to your woman, to your wives, right? They they will give everything. You know, so when when you mean by straighten, okay, well, I mean, can you just give that clarification? Because um, so obviously, when you straighten something that cannot be straightened, it breaks, yeah, right? But breaks. what 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 does that mean? Does that mean that whatever your wife says, if she's having a go at you, you just got to take it? I mean, just be, just be. I think you, yeah. at that moment, the masculinity would be that you are calm, patient, and try to listen what she says. Right? Women are like, uh, you know, the, the, you have to treat them in a way that uh, you have to try to listen because if you don't listen, sometimes you you would misunderstand. Uh, so. You know, or you just said if if they are arguing with you, right? One of the person should stay quiet, <laughs> and this is the way. You know, and and winning an argument is not you know something which which is considered to be successful or to have a uh, successful marriage. Uh, it's it's when when someone is arguing, the other one should be quiet. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, I think it's really important that we speak to someone who is well informed in this more than us uh, it's great to have our next guest on, on the show and we're, we are joined by Iftad who is a member of the Ahmadi Muslim Communities Women's Association and also is a student and a member of the Ahmadi Muslim Press and Media team so it, it's really important that we obviously just have a conversation and give us a, a a different perspective and also probably validate a lot of what we've been talking about because yep. we are talking about a masculinity program we are not the dominant race in a way if you is that how we've been describing it look w- welcome to the drive time show if thank you very much for joining us today Assalamualaikum. thank you for having me that's awesome i mean what what do you think of this phrase boys will be boys and also you know back in the day we used to hear this phrase from the Gillette company that uh, it's a man's world. I mean, all these things have been around for some time. So, mm. and, and this this conversation about boys will be boys. What what would you? H- how would you uh, take that? And and could it be changed to something more positive? Yeah, um, boys will be boys is um, a really interesting one because quite interestingly, you often hear women say it and like mums say it or like wives say it as they roll their eyes about something silly their husband or like son might have done. Um, And I think, you know, it's one of those phrases that, you know, if you're talking about like two five-year-old boys playing and I don't know, like one hit the other because he stole his like toy truck or something, you know, like that's, you know, not acceptable behavior, but you know, they're five. So, you know, five-year-olds don't know how to communicate and you know they're going to do something silly and you know they're going to need to learn from their behavior or you know boys will be boys is kind of like you know like a bunch of i don't know 13 year old boys you know you know yeah. say some silly jokes in class kind of thing and you know they might get detention and you know you roll your eyes and say boys will be boys and you know over there it's fine but when it's a matter of um you know some sort of assault or you know like a physical fight you know beyond the age of like 12 or 13 you know when you really should know better at that point it's quite dangerous because you're really just um validating any sort of animalistic behavior to to an entire gender and i think i feel i feel like boys should be a bit more offended by this term like i feel like if 
as a woman, if I was to do something and you know somebody was to say, "Oh, she's only doing it because she's a woman," yeah. I'd feel a little bit offended because I'd think you're, you know, you're, you're consigning me to to my gender, and you think I can yeah. only behave a certain way because of how I'm kind of biologically programmed to behave. But what so, you're saying you know, there, you've got to imagine, boys at that age are not as intelligent as women, right? They're, the girls grow up much more. <laughs> well, I mean, we we know is, that. The, well, is that a natural thing, or is that because girls are expected to grow up more? Well, you tell me. Well, see, like I think that, again, like it, it, you know, it's it's those kind of things. You know, well, girls mature quicker; they yeah. mature faster. You know, they're more sensible, and there might be, you know, some sort of innate reason for that. I, I'm not a biologist; I can't say for that. Mm. But there's also, you know, a huge um, kind of like social conditioning which allows that. And you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Everyone should be taught to, you know, be emotionally mature. Mm. But um, that that pressure is definitely that onus ends up being on the girls a lot more. Um, you know, even for example, if it's um, I don't know, like 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 a child is playing with like I don't know a toy plane or something, and you know a girl's playing, you know you're going to ask questions like, oh, and where are these passengers going to? Are they going to have a good time? Are they having a nice flight? And, you know, and if a guy, a little boy's playing with it, you know you might say like, oh, look at the big wings on this, or look at the wheels on this. How yeah. fast is the plane going? You know, like even those questions like that that you you might ask a child as you're playing with a child yeah. might kind of they encourage children to see things differently. But that's, so there's, there's not a problem. I, I don't see that that's a problem. If you ask someone not to describe... Not no. Yeah. I mean, if you ask someone to s- describe an orange, some people would say, right, okay, so its diameter is X, Y, Z, and it's the texture. Others would say, well, it smells nice, it tastes delicious. So you've got different people describing things Yeah, and you're always going to have that, which is great. Yeah. You know, it's like that, that's you just, know, the best thing about being sure. human, right. that we have all those. But it's more just the idea of that there's, there is a social conditioning which is definitely associated with with that which encourages um girls I, I, in a general way to consider things a certain way and boys yeah. to consider things All a different right. way so I've, I've just got one more question before my brothers uh, ask you theirs and, and this is about this question that our first kind of guest spoke to us a little bit earlier mm-hmm. on um our kind of first show uh Tamara um, Rodney, who is a parent. So we, we, on that show, we, we were talking about do kids get a rough time? She spoke about this momentorium moment in kids' lives where, all right, that boys will be boys. Is that what she's kind of referring to? And then, then but does the young girls have something similar? Well, I mean, it, so, so, so just to, if I've answered your question correctly, like, is there a similar equivalent phrase for girls? Is that, is that what you're asking me? Yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah. we've accepted that um, boys are different mm-hmm. than females. We're made different, even Zakaria was saying it um, earlier. And obviously, men are physically different. They're also, back mm-hmm. in the day, they would always go out hunting, for example. So when kids, yeah. boys at young age, and I agree with you, at young age, they fight amongst each other, they play, they, you know, they play fight more than what girls would ever play yeah. fight. Is that a moment where girls are kind of conditioned differently as boys are conditioned differently during this uh, moratorium moment in that let them boys be boys? Uh, uh, is that Would you agree to that? Um, that's a really interesting question. I've never really thought about it like that. Um, I think there's... It, it's just like this kind of ongoing subliminal sort of kind of conditioning, I think. You know, um, in terms of kind of like the the kind of like 
TV that children might be watching. You know, boys, they're often kind of like things like superheroes are marketed towards them, you know, things like the Power Rangers and things like that. And, you know, for example, me growing up, I, I've only got two brothers. I don't have any sisters. So actually growing up, I watched those things more. So, you know, even now looking back, I can kind of remember all those boyish, like, quote unquote, boyish Disney shows rather than the princessy sort of thing. Oh, okay, right, got it. Got um, but I think there is that kind of thing that girls are kind of taught. I mean, I don't know if there's the same sort of phrase of like, you know, boys will be boys, you know, if there's one that, you know, girls being girls kind of thing. But, you know, there is that kind of like idea about being a girly girl. And that's a really big thing, which you know, there's no such thing as a boyish boy. You know, you're just a boy. But then there's this really strong thing. I remember feeling being very young and kind of almost being insecure, not insecure about it, but kind of like, I remember as girls, we pretended not to like pink because that was too girly. We pretended not to like Barbie because that was too girly. There was something wrong with it being too girly. Um, <laughs> even four girls, you yeah. know? Um, and and I think that's something that's actually kind of like, I, I, I've kind of like carried with me as, you know, growing up and you yeah. know, something that I've now kind of consciously tried to not fall into anymore. Mm. But that's definitely something that young girls have. Um, so, you know, what was boys will be boys. That's kind of almost encouraging boys to 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 fit their gender and yeah. to fit the the expectation of their gender, which is to play fight and which is to you know be rough and tumble and all that sort of stuff. Whereas for girls, it was very much like don't be too girly, kind of thing. And I, and I'm really interested to see why that is. Is it yeah. because the idea of being a girl is inherently flawed and something that you should avoid? You know, something that should be ridiculed. That is a very interesting question. I'm sure there is a faith answer to that because of the way. Um, how we, we, which we discussed earlier in terms of the respect, the responsibility, um, how men are kind of a bit servant to the female, how they have to be looked after. So, in a way, I think maybe mm -hmm. our, my, my esteemed colleagues can probably dwell on it a little bit more. But listen, really appreciate you answering my questions. Um, no, I really appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, I had a question as well. It's Sakaria here. Yeah. Um, we see that. Uh, one of the questions is that is the mental health of young men being affected by uh, toxic masculinity? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, th th there's a reason that suicide rates in men are so much higher than they are in women. Um, you know, women, we there there is a space for us to talk to our friends and, you know, we can cry and we can, um, you know, publicly... I mean, within an extent, but I was like, amongst your friends or amongst your family, you can talk about your feelings, you can talk about what's worrying you and, you know, what's causing your anxiety, you know, if you're feeling depressed, you can talk about these things. For men, unfortunately, there's this kind of um, idea that if you do, you're somewhat less of a man, mm. which obviously is not true. That, that That's not true at all. Like, mm. why, why would a man be less of a man because he's shed a few tears? Um, you know, it doesn't impact his physical strength. It doesn't impact his ability to be able to provide for his family, or you know, be a good son, or you know, a good brother, or a good husband, or a good father. It doesn't impact any of that. Um, and you know, um, actually, you know, we see in you know the history of Islam, you know, the Holy Prophet. You know, there's countless narrations of when he did literally weep. Um, you know, yep. even to to his wife as a Khadija, you know, he, he wept to her when he came home after being given the glad tidings of prophethood. Um, because, you know, that's a healthy outlet for emotion. You know, sometimes life does get too overwhelming. I mean, I'd just give an example of the most overwhelming thing that could possibly happen to a human being, which is God has told you 
that you're a prophet. But I, you know, other than that, even you know, us mere commoners and average Joes, you know, sometimes life gets too much, and mm. we need to be able to have those outlets. Um, which is why you know it's so important that um, men are able to um, create that space amongst themselves. Um, obviously, with, you know, with the women in their lives as well, so you know, their wives or their sisters or their mothers, but. Um, also, just amongst themselves, you know. For example, you know, if if you're a man and you've got a brother, you know, you, you sh- the two of you should be able to have that bond amongst each other. That if one of you cries in front of the other, it's nothing to be ashamed about. If one of you says calls up the other, or you know, if you're living together still, you know, knocks on the other's bedroom door and says, "Hey, can we have a chat? I'm really worried about this." You know, that that should be a space that should be open. And I think it really starts with fathers being able to have that openness with their sons, um, and also being that example. Because you know, if you know, you, you you learn most from your parents. They're the people that you spend most of your childhood with, um, you know, or you know, whoever the father figure in your life is. Um, and you know, if you see him being able to be so open about his emotion, you're going to be more likely to be able to do that as well. And that it, it literally saves lives. It's not, you know, a, a, a fad or like a you know, a social media trend of, you know, let's all be really emotional for a while. No, like, it, it's a matter of saving lives. It's, um, silence can really kill people. Salaam um Just a last question before mm-hmm. we... You know, in some societies, women and, um, endure quite a lot and sometimes when they, especially in a, in a relationship, a toxic relationship, they mm-hmm. endure a lot. And when they call the elders, the older generation, they say, okay, you're... This is your life. You should endure it. How do women ex- accept this kind of a toxic masculinity of men's? Yeah, that's that's such a tough question um, because there's such it's so difficult to strike that balance yeah. of um, being patient and then just straight up being abused. And 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 I, I think it's something one of those things that when you're in the situation, it's impossible to know where that line is because it's very easy to tell yourself that I I have to stay here I I need to deal with this this is my cross to carry or you know this is my burden to bear or you know especially once children are in the picture that you know I can't take my children away from their father or you know otherwise you know women can uh can <coughs> to where a man might think I can't take my children away from his their mother um so you know there there is definitely this um and tradition as well then of um, staying together for that reason. I think it's just it's really important to think about what what is the motivation behind when you're telling somebody to be patient or when you're telling yourself to be patient. Is it for the, because I know in the long run this is better for my family and you know the, the person that I'm married to who might be abusive you know no one's abusive on, or very few people are abusive on purpose. Usually, it's because they're going through something themselves, and you know that's not an excuse for abuse ever. Mm-hmm. But you, somebody might have more patience to be able to help them through that, and then you know, hopefully, that abusive cycle or bit patterns or behaviours can um, be eliminated. But if it's a matter of, which it is, unfortunately, in a lot of societies and in a lot of communities, <laughs> that's not the reason that young women are told to endure abuse. The reason they're told to is because divorce is shameful. Yeah, and, I mean, and very, stigma yeah. Around divorce. yeah, I mean, and that, that's another topic for another day. This stigma yeah. and divorce and so, all of you know, this you is kind so of big. Think about what yeah. is the reason that I'm enduring this? Is this yeah. because I know what's best for my family, 
and you know prayer and patience you know god always has prayer and patience as the way forward yeah. um and the, the quran you know repeats those words multiple yeah. times um but if it's a matter of social social stigma then that's an entirely different conversation and not the same as being patient that's that's you know trying to save face for, yeah. for the sake of somebody else who wouldn't do the same for you yeah uh, I, I get that, and, and there is so much of this, and I see it day in, day out. I, I don't want to open up another can because it yeah, is a, a really massive conversation. Because, because I think could be no, I know. I have, I have some of my friends who are literally just staying with their partners because they just want the kids to grow up first before they make the jump. And that's they're, a they're big issue, it. isn't it? Yeah, and then the people children. living in the same house. But then sometimes house, that's worse for awful. the children. Sometimes that's even worse for the kids because they and, grow up seeing abuse. Yeah, but but maybe not even in an abusive relationship. They stay together um, because yeah. they do not want to do the breakup. So it, it is another discussion. So if the producers are listening, so they go to pin that one. So we cover that <laughs> another day. So listen, really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you very much. We've got no, uh, another guest today, waiting in the wings that Zakaria will introduce next. And, you know, your insight has been magnificent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Good Have insight. a nice day. The same to you. Bye. So we believe uh, we have our last guest uh, on the line who's waiting to speak to us, um, Zain Karim, who is a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, a, a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, Women's Association and a student at Indiana University mm-hmm. in USA. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and peace be upon you. Welcome to uh, Voice of Islam Drive Time Show. Jazakallah for for having me. for being with us um, and and giving your time. Um, you might have been uh, you might uh, know the topic of today's um, uh, discussion. It's toxic masculinity. Now, um, the question for you is: Do men feel like they're being told to be too feminine nowadays? Because you know nowadays youngsters, you see that th- because uh, they feel like they're not manly enough, or they feel like uh, they do not contribute in the society. They they've been told that they 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 you should you should act more masculine. So. Do men uh, feel like they're being told to be too feminine nowadays? Um, what I can say is I definitely think that today men are afraid of being too feminine, mm-hmm. um, like you were saying. And that's because of the reaction that they can get from other members of their family or in society. And also what they see in the media of what's depicted as being masculine. Mm-hmm. And it was mentioned before that not all masculinity is toxic, and that's true. However, personally, one thing that I think constitutes uh, toxic masculinity is a fear of being expressive of your emotions or um, it getting to the extent that you're afraid to even be loving toward your family members. Um, For example, there's a narration of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, um, that says, um, it was narrated that Aisha said, some Bedouin people came to the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and said, do you kiss your children? And the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said, yes. And then the person from the Bedouin people said, by Allah, we never kiss our children. And the Holy hmm. Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, what can I do if Allah has taken away mercy from you? 
And so this is from um, Sunan Ibn Rajah number uh, 3,665. And this just shows how um, it can get to a point where people even have a misconception that if you're loving towards your family, then that's not masculine. And um, the previous um, caller from our um, Ahmadi uh, Muslim community said that the example of um, being masculine starts with a boy's own father. And so you can imagine the impact that it has on a child to never even have his own father be loving toward him and what that makes him think about what it means to be masculine. Hmm. So, you know, with all this, what's the opposite of toxic masculinity? Ah. The opposite of toxic masculinity yes. is found when we follow the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings so be upon him. And um, uh, maybe it was talked about before, like for example with um, roles between men and women, it's true that there are different roles and um, even the Quran, like in chapter 33 verse 34, talks about, um, it, it says to the wives of the Holy Prophet, um, and stay in your houses with dignity. And that um, in the commentary of that verse, it says the words stay in your houses show that the principal sphere of the activities of a woman is her house. It doesn't mean she's not allowed to leave its four walls. So it, there is a distinction between the primary roles of a man and a woman. Um, and the commentary further elaborates that this idea that um, a woman's primary roles are um, in the household applies equally to all Muslim women, not just the wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Um, so it's been emphasized that there's a distinction between um, the men and women in certain ways, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, didn't help his um, wives with the household chores. There's um, a, a hadith where um, someone asked um, Aisha, one of the wives of the Holy Prophet, um, peace and blessings be upon him, that um, what did the Prophet um, do when he was with his family? And she replied, he would do chores for his family, and when it was time for the prayer, he would go out. Um, and that's Sahih al-Albani, Book 30, Hadith 1. So that shows that it, it doesn't mean that just because there are distinct roles that a man doesn't have any responsibility to contribute toward his household, even though taking care of the household has been said to be something that's the responsibility of a woman. It doesn't mean you're being too feminine if you help out with those things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that, that, that's fantastic. I really appreciate your time on this, um, Zayan Karim. It's uh, excellent to get your insight into this. And, you know, we, we've had a pretty balanced conversation now, and, and I think um, with both uh, yourself and our previous guest, we've been able to do that. I appreciate your time, and, and, and thank you very much for being so... Um, very candid with the the last question you know what is uh, this thing about uh, masculinity you know what is the opposite of toxic masculinity I think is a very good answer just to look at our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and mm. blessings of love be upon him thank you very much for your time today thank you so guys that kind of brings us right up to the top of the hour I mean we've Got, I think we've covered loads of ground. I mean, uh, you've got uh, five seconds there, Saad. You know, what do you think of the uh, today's show? You know, it's uh, for me to understand yeah. what toxic masculinity was. It was the 
under, being able to understand, we should be following the examples of the Prophet as our previous speaker just said, Zain Saiba, and we should always try to elaborate and help and understand whatever Hazur is telling us. Brilliant. Thank you. That, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> really appreciate that. We, that was more than five seconds. I really <laughs> no, no it, yeah. it, it is perfectly okay. Look, um, just want to say thank you to our producers, Elihan Mahadi Asiba and Masiba Tariq. Thank you. Here's the news.